0: Walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PECOM podcast. Welcome back. Jeff here with you again on the first Tuesday of the month and excited to be in this world of vision casting here at Presbyterian Church of the Master. It's it's a season of remembering and of, of gratefully pointing to the work God has done uh, in and among us, and then dreaming, dreaming together about where that good work will continue to lead us. And our plan here on the podcast will be to journey alongside the, the vision cast themes and maybe touch on the sermon texts each week but we're we're in it together, uh, and I, I think it'll be fun. This week's text is the beginning of Exodus chapter 3, uh, what, what Courtney preached from on Sunday. Moses encounters God in the form of a bush that is burning, but is not consumed by the flames. Maybe a familiar story. In one of the biblical commentaries, I was browsing for this passage, the editors point out that there have been multiple natural explanations for what could have caused this desert shrub to appear to Moses to be endlessly burning. Ideas like uh, there are certain types of plants that exude flammable gas or shrubs that when covered with brightly colored leaves or berries can appear to be on fire from a distance. And I I guess it could be interesting to engage in a conversation about whether or not uh, this was purely a supernatural phenomenon or not. And you can find examples of these types of back and forth debates about other miraculous events described in the Bible, like Jesus walking on water or feeding the 5,000. But what I find problematic about engaging these types of critiques, those that only want to stay on the very specific literal level of, well, did this thing happen exactly the way it is written? Or did it not? The, the problem I see there, the, the trap, is that when we get caught up in trying to then prove or defend the literal details of miracles, we risk completely missing the much larger, deeper, more beautiful, and miraculous truth the truth that these stories are pointing us toward. So, so then even if we win, quote, quote, win one of these, these kinds of literalism arguments, we may still be completely losing out on the whole point of the miracle. So, so to Moses, uh, he's He's tending his flock in the wilderness and notices a shrub that is on fire, but does not burn up. God's very presence calls him from within the bush, calls him by name. And Moses replies, here am I. Then the divine says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I find it helpful when reading about um especially these earliest encounters with God. I find it helpful to consider what ancient people's previous and very natural understandings were about what God is like uh, or or in most cases what the gods are like what what kind of world is it? That, that has been created? And, and what is the relationship between people and these supernatural entities? And mostly what we find are stories that convey a real sense of disempowerment, of disempowerment. People who feel they have very little say in the way things go, very little meaning for their own lives, very little chance to to experience anything new and almost no way to ascertain what it is these, these gods might want from them. And it, it makes perfect sense that thousands and thousands of years ago with no rational way to understand things like complex weather systems and complicated diseases and And why do some years the crops grow and then other years they don't? And why do some children survive and others do not? You can see why people would be left feeling utterly confused and helpless, disempowered. Everything is happening to us. So we have to figure out how to, please these fickle gods that sometimes send just enough rain and gentle breeze and warming sunshine, but then other times send earthquakes and wildfires and storms and disease and swarms of locusts. And the revelation of, as, as uh, our, our text in Exodus puts it, the revelation of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, is that this is a God who invites humanity to move from a place of disempowerment into empowerment. This is a God who does not need anything from us. So we can rest and trust rather than feel the need to to constantly try to please and make sacrificial offerings and and hope we gave enough and worry that, oh no, what's going to happen if we didn't give enough? But this is a God that also doesn't just act upon us in the world, that, that idea that everything is just happening to us. This God doesn't just act upon us and the world, just, you know, doing all the God stuff that God wants to do. No, this God invites us into God's good and redemptive work. God calls us. God calls Moses by name and calls Moses into the powerful and and holy work of freeing the oppressed. And God calls us. God calls us. We are called to play our own part. And that call itself is a gift. Um, I see that as a gift to have a call, to to have a sense of purpose, even if it comes with, with great difficulty, to have, to have a sense of call and a sense of perfect purpose is a gift, not, not a demand. It, it gives us the opportunity to live into something meaningful. Um, it is a message about who we are as people, that we have agency, that we are empowered to make choices and, and to act and to create and to, to participate in the creation of the world. This God says that we are not just helpless bystanders in our lives, but we are active participants in it. Hallelujah. What a God to be worshiped and adored. There's a question we've been asking as as staff and and among volunteers and students uh, for years now. And the question is, where did you see God in this? And it's such a beautiful question that that helps us helps us reframe and and pause and and to be grateful for the work God has invited us into. Um, rather than just sort of list all the things that that we have done, and Matt Becerra, our youth director, is he's particularly good at at seeing and naming where we have seen God at work. And there was there was one example of this that comes to mind when I think of the story of Moses and this move from disempowerment to empowerment or from, from helpless bystanding to active mm-hmm. participation. This was maybe a year ago, and Matt was sharing with our staff about an event that he had been overseeing. And basically, everything about this event did not go to plan. It just Everything went wrong. People who were who were expected to show up did not show up. Uh, resources that were supposed to be available were not available. The location in which the event was supposed to take place would no longer work for the group who did show up. Uh, just just a disaster. But then something miraculous happened. Even though nothing went according to plan and and nobody felt prepared to completely shift the direction of the event it ended up being one of the more lovely meaningful memorable gatherings that happened during that entire season the way that matt put it in in response to that that question uh, where did you see god the way he put it was you know I didn't do anything. God showed up. Which is such a, a true and and humble statement. But I I also had this kind of nagging feeling like, wait, wait, no. Matt Matt did do something. He was an active participant, even though it didn't go the way he had planned, and and even though God Worked in ways that Matt didn't predict or or even hope for. He wasn't he wasn't just a helpless bystander, and it it took me a while to realize what it was that Matt did and um, and what Matt often does. And it finally hit me. Uh, it hit me that that what Matt did was he he allowed himself and he allowed the group to just be open and and to be present to to be aware to that new thing that God was doing in their midst and rather than deny or ignore or or be closed off to it or or minimize it which is which is always an option for us in these situations. Rather than do any of that, he he accepted it. He acknowledged it and he gave it voice. He said he said yes to it, to that new thing that was being done right in his midst. And so if we're not careful, the the very good question of, you know, Forget what we were doing. What was God doing? That very good question could begin to imply that we have zero role to play. Because the temptation, even, even now, as it was for our our ancient ancestors, the temptation is to to fall back into a sense of disempowerment. You know, what? well, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter what I do. Things, things are just going to be what they are, and, and there's nothing I can do to change it. Um, I'm not really that good. I'm, I'm not really that important, and I don't think I can make much of a difference anyway. That, that's the temptation. But that can't, that can't be the case. That just can't be the case. It it has to be a partnership. The way that God has created this world, the way that God has created us in relationship to God, it has to be a partnership. If it were only up to God and nothing was up to us, and yet some people experience God's love, Some people experience God's spirit, and then some do not. That's that's a picture of a pagan, distant, unloving, unjust, unfair God, not unlike the gods of our ancient ancestors, who is just standing apart somewhere up on a mountain, just indiscriminately casting lightning bolts down onto some and and then granting uh, bountiful crops to others. But if it's a partnership, and if we have the choice to either be closed off to anything other than our current reality, our paradigm, our ideology, Or we have the choice to be open, open to something unexpected, open to something meaningful, open to something new, then then God is fully loving and fully good and fully powerful. Hallelujah. What a God to be worshiped and adored. I'll leave you with this. As Courtney said in her sermon on Sunday, God is always calling. The question then is, are we allowing ourselves to to be quiet and aware enough to hear it? And how, how open and willing are we to follow where it leads? Sometimes the call is to be still to rest, to notice, to, to take a break from our striving and pursuing. Sometimes the call is to go, to, to do, to work, to serve, to create. Sometimes the call is somehow both of those things. That, that often feels like the balance for me, um, both together, praying and doing as as one informs the other, the, the reflection and the action moving in tandem. I'm excited to see how we will move together in, in these complementary rhythms this season. But let's let's dream big as, as empowered people who serve a loving God. Let's dream big and let's go in peace.